But a lot of times our brain thinks that if we're staying in the same, we're not giving anything up, but you are. You're giving up future you. You're giving up a new career. You're giving up a lot of other opportunities. And I think when you kind of reframe it in that way, it starts helping you understand like that part of my life maybe is over and I'm ready to kind of embrace what else is out there because there's, it's, you know, it's kind of that abundance mentality and like there's so much more I can do. And so how do I focus more on that instead of the fear of like what I'm letting go? Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. (laughs) And doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, all of the stuff. (laughs) So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, you're listening to episode number 26 of the Push Podcast. And how are you today, Edward Copeland? fantastic. So we are here today with one of my good friends. Her name is Goli Kalkaran, and she's actually, you can't see her, but she's Instagramming us right now. So what up, IG? Um... I want to tell you a little bit about her because I think she's just golden and I wanted to share her magic with you guys. Um, So she is a lawyer turned entrepreneur, which in her words is a fancy way of saying that she's a quitter. (laughs) She was an attorney. She was a lawyer. She went to school. It was her lifelong dream to become an attorney. Um, She practiced law, I think for like six to eight years. I'm going to let you tell your whole story. But then she realized you guys, she freaking hated it. Yeah. Hated (laughs) it. And then I, I think that friends and family, kind of the pressure of facing them and telling them like, hey, I want to be a quitter, something that you've spent your whole life <laughs> chasing, like people think that you're crazy, right? Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. I wanted to bring her on because if you guys missed it, a couple episodes ago, I announced that I was going to be a quitter too. Yeah. So I announced that we were officially selling the Cake Mama's Bakery, and that was in episode 24. And I thought it would be really cool to introduce you to some of the people that I hold in high regard, that I bounce ideas off of, that don't hold me back, but instead cur- encourage me and tell me that the world's not going to end if I decide to pivot. And without further ado, you guys, this is my good friend, Goli Kalkaran, and I'm so excited to introduce her to you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. We're really excited yeah, to have absolutely. you. Absolutely. I am Congrats so- on quitting. Let me just <laughs> oh. start with that and say I'm so freaking proud of you guys. Yes. <laughs> We've been talking about it for a while. Yeah. I know. Because I pursued, deal. yeah, I started pursuing a different career and found major passion. And, yeah. and I, at some point, I do want to talk about, I want you to tell your whole story, but at some point, I want you to talk about the fact that you work with people who don't know what their next steps are going to be, who know that they hate their lives and their careers now, but that makes it even more scary to quit when you don't know. And that's where you were, right? Totally. Yeah. I was very much in the camp of like, well, I have no other skills or passions. So what are we going to do now? Right. I think a lot of people find themselves like realizing like I'm deeply unhappy, but I have no idea what the next step is. And so a lot of times it's like, well, I'll just sit and certainty at least. Like even if I'm unhappy, at least I know what this is. Mm. Um, Better the devil you know than the devil you don't, right? And so you end up staying. And I think for me, that was really the most I was like the hardest part of this whole journey was just even uncovering like what am I actually passionate about? What do I actually want to do for the rest of my life? Mm. Yeah. And and that's one of the things I want to really discover on on, in our conversation is when do you double down? Because some people are listening right now going, okay, should I quit? Or should I like go all in or should I, you know, go in a different direction? And what does that mean for me? What does it, what am I missing out on? I think in this society now, we we think that if we choose something, we're going to miss something important instead of it being something that you embrace and say, Hey, I'm going to go all in on this and, and really just enjoy this path. Absolutely. I mean, that is such a, one of our biggest fears, right? Is uh, we look at this called like also like the sunk cost fallacy. So you look at like, well, I've already put all this time and money and energy. I've already built up this career. I've done so much. Am I just going to quote unquote, throw it all away? I'm going to this new thing. And what you were just saying too, is like, 
whenever you're looking kind of backwards at that sunk cost, you're not looking at the opportunity cost that you're giving up by staying mm. in that same position because you're it's always a trade-off, right? So like, yes, you may double down on that thing and stay and build it up and that's great. But then you're giving up the chance to do other things and you have to be kind of understand that a lot of times our brain thinks that if we're staying in the same, we're not giving anything up, but you are. You're giving up future you. You're giving up a new career. You're giving up a lot of other opportunities. And I think when you kind of reframe it in that way, it starts helping you understand like that part of my life maybe is over and I'm ready to kind of embrace what else is out there because there's, it's, you know, it's kind of that abundance mentality and like there's so much more I can do. And so how do I focus more on that instead of the fear of like what I'm letting go? Yeah, yeah, I love that. So Absolutely. I want you to tell everybody yeah. like where you started though. You wanted to be in a, a lawyer from being a little girl, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of the quintessential like type A personality that was, you know, I was blessed enough to be good at school. So I never really even questioned that path. Like when you get praised and you're doing well and all your teachers and your parents and everybody is happy, you're just like, well, I'm doing the right thing. Like I'm clearly succeeding, you know? And mm-hmm. so I just put my head down and I decided I wanted to be a lawyer and I literally never looked up. I just like powered through school. I got good grades. I, my focus, you know, it's always like the next thing, like, how do I get into a good college? Okay. Now I'm in college. How do I get a good LSAT score? How do I get into a good law school? Okay. What law school am I going to go to? And I never, I didn't really have lawyers in my family. I didn't have lawyers around me. I didn't really understand what being a lawyer meant. I was and still am very much interested in the law. And so I always felt like this is aligned with me because I find it very interesting. Like I like learning about the law. I like having, you know, seeing what's happening with the Supreme Court and all that stuff. And so I never even like, there wasn't even an ounce of doubt as like, maybe I'm not, you know, I kind of hate this. This is hard. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Like I didn't have that. I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer. This is going to happen. And this is my path. And I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to ride off into the sunset and be like super happy. <laughs> and then when that didn't happen, that's when I started having these like, and this was like, mind you, after I was, you know, I spent hundred, over $100,000 on my education. Mm-hmm. I had um, spent years and years and years studying. Um, I had passed the bar. I'd worked as an attorney and it was like, oh, wow, now what? Like, right. now I'm really stuck in it. So. Well, I heard you say before that like school was, it wasn't easy, but it was pretty simple. Like yeah. you had to apply yourself. There was a framework. All you had totally. to do was go up. And then you couple that with what you said, like I was getting the praise and the accolades mm-hmm. from my parents and my teachers. And so I think it's important to spend a little bit of time there because you've probably seen this with some of your clients, right? Like yeah. you go down this path that feels like it's a good fit and it feels, but then at some point, did you find that that was misleading? You were leading into comfort maybe? A hundred percent. I think, I think, I mean, I think obviously it wasn't too late because I ended up changing and it's been a glorious change, but I didn't really think about that until I was done with law school and I was working as a lawyer. But when I reevaluated, I kept, I realized like, oh, it wasn't that I loved studying. It was that I loved praise. It was, I loved like people thinking I was good enough or that I was smart enough or that I was like the, whatever enoughness I felt like I needed to be in order to, and, and I don't, to be fair, like I have the most loving parents. It's not that I felt like it was conditional on that, but I did learn from an early age, this like people pleasing tendency that I think so many of us are socialized with, where it's like, don't rock the boat. Just do what's asked of you. And wow, you're actually doing it better than everyone else. Well, that feels good. So just keep doing it. Like you're mm-hmm. getting the top grade and it, like you're right on the right track and you don't, you know, I mean, I think when you're a child, you don't have the wherewithal to question it. Like, you know, I didn't have the thing to think like, why are we doing this as a society? You know, and I just right. felt like, okay, like this is, I'm winning this game, whatever this game right. is. Like I figured it out. I'm doing well. And so I'm not even going to like question it. I'm just going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we talked about this in an episode where we talked about rejection and the power of acceptance. Mm. right? And when we feel that what we're doing is acceptable, what we're doing is praised. um, Why do anything else? Like there's no, there's no reason. And we've toyed around with an episode where we want to talk about like when people feel out of place, right? Doing Mm. something super, super scary that you feel like, oh my God, am I going to be, am I going to feel out of place? Am I going to feel like I don't belong here? 
And for you, you took that that um, amazing leap. And there's so many things I want to ask you, yeah. but I want to make sure that you've kind of covered ground on your story. Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, one thing I'll say really quickly about that rejection thing, and then I think another component that I'm really fascinated with, and I now watching my own children and watching my nieces who are a little bit older, is we, with all good intentions as parents, like we want to protect our children. And a lot of what we do and what happened with me and what happens with a lot of kids is you get funneled into that thing that you are good at. So like if you're a good athlete or if you're a good student, it's like you get more praise and people kind of push you to do better. And whether it's just to protect, like let's say your kid goes out for a baseball team and they don't get on the baseball team the second year, third year, you know, by like the third year, you're kind of like, maybe you should try something else. But what we're doing is like, we're also teaching that like failure is scary. Like do like only go for the thing that you're succeeding at, only Mm -hmm. focus on the stuff you're good at. And so what that instills is not just rejection, but this fear of failure that we have, like the attachment that we put to failure of like what it means about us, as opposed to like, I just tried something and it didn't work. But like, let me explore. Let me see what I like. Let me try different things just for the fun of trying it. Like so many, even now, you know, it's like kids are put into sports at like seven and they're expected to, you know, go on to scholarships. And it's like, maybe that kid could just be a seven-year-old that's like, should be allowed to try whatever they want to try. And I look at that for myself and it's like, I never did anything that I could remotely fail at. Like Mm. I only focus on the things that I was going to quote unquote succeed at and be good at. Like I wouldn't take classes that I knew I'm not going to do well. And if I heard like the teacher was going to be super hard, it's like, I'm only going to get the good grades. Mm -hmm. And like, that is just such a bad focus because I missed out on so many things I could have learned or just like things I could have learned about myself, things I could have had experiences with. And so I think it's like an ancillary to rejection is also this failure of what we think is failure and how we kind of prime our kids to only want to succeed. I love yeah. that. And, that's and, powerful. That is, yeah. it, and I almost just add to that because that's amazing because not only that, it's almost like you're seeking achievement mm-hmm. instead of seeking the opportunity to really explore life, right? Absolutely. And I think that we all are, are, are you know, we all do that. I mean, even with our kids, like, yeah. you know, they, should I do this? You think I'll be good at it? Yeah, I think you'll be good at it. Yeah. Well, right. instead of saying, well, maybe you won't and yeah, maybe you'll just have okay. some fun and maybe yeah. you'll learn exactly. and that'll be okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. So- I told you earlier that I was at this Brendan Burchard event last Mm -hmm. week and it was interesting because the event was about, that's great that you're successful, but here's how you get to the level of excellence, right? Right. And he literally said this thing that pierced my soul. He said, some of you are so good that good is what's really holding you back. He said, some of you are so talented and you've gotten so far with your innate God-given talent, that the talent is withholding you back from really trying things. And I was like, I think he stabbed Uh, me in my heart. (laughs) Literally. That is really good. And then we had a breakout session and I met five people in my group that were like, this guy said exactly what you just said. He said, I've literally never even taken a class where there was an opportunity for Mm -hmm. me to not be good at it. And so I think it happens more times than we think, right? It's just like, what will I be good at? Because you feel like it's an indicator that this is the path you should take. It's the path of least resistance. It's the thing that I'm, it might be my God-given calling, right? So how do we determine, like, like, what are we saying, I guess, in this, like as children, as parents, what are we saying? I think that for me, one of the biggest lessons I've learned, and I try to remind myself, for myself even, and for my children, is that what happens is we as a society, and we're taught very early on, we attach a meaning to failure, right? If it was just like, oh, you tried something and it failed, and then you could then go try something else, we would be much more open to it. But even, you know, it's not just children. Like why, I'm sure the majority of people you talk to have this dream that they want to do, but it's like, oh, I can't put out that Instagram account. I can't start this thing. Like why not, right? Because (laughs) What if it doesn't work? What if people don't buy? What if people look at me and and whatever? And the thing is, is when you go one layer deeper, it's like, okay, so what? Let's say it doesn't work. Let's just like imagine. What is what are you making that mean about you? You're making that mean like I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough to have a business. I don't have enough of a business acumen. Whatever you're making that mean, clearly you don't want to try because if that, if you confirm that, that's a painful thing to think like I'm not smart enough to do something, Mm -hmm. right? But what if there wasn't that meaning attached? Like, what if it was just like, oh, I'm a human being that tried something and it didn't work. (laughs) And now I can try, I'm free to try something else. 
And I think that's where I try to like really, even with myself, because I still have the fear, like I want to try something new in my business and I get super scared and I kind of have to check myself and be like, it's not like failure. Like, oh my God, it's this huge failure. It's like, all right, I tried 10 different things and two of them worked and we don't need to worry. It doesn't mean that those eight things mean I'm a, you know, horribly Mm -hmm. like bad business person. It just means that like I tried things, you know, and I think that has kind of shifted it for me a little bit. That's amazing. Yeah. And and we've talked to, and I've said this in, in live events, we've said it on the podcast that to me, there's nothing more clear than failure, right? And mm-hmm. when you don't know what you're going to do, when you don't know what's next, doing something and then yes. hopefully you get an opportunity to fail and that gives you so much clarity yeah. of what to do next or what adjustments you need to make. And, and one of the things I just wanted to, um, to ask you was like, you, how did you not fall victim of the sunk cost yeah. bias, right? Yeah. So many people right now are listening to this going, I've spent yeah. 10 years at this place. I spent 20 right. years at this company. Mm-hmm. I can't just walk away. Right. Yeah. And you had $100,000 in debt. Yeah. So well, so I didn't at the time. your parents want to kill you. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right, exactly. I didn't at the time that I was quitting. Actually, I, one of, I think probably the only smart move that I made was when I left law school because my situation was I knew I wasn't going to be a lawyer to make a lot of money. Like I wanted to work in positions that I was very passionate about. And those were typically not well-paying jobs. So I wanted Mm -hmm. to work for the government. I wanted to work in public interest for nonprofits. And so what I did was I went to a big law firm that paid me a lot of money. In the first two years, I saved all my money and I paid off my loans. So I did that so that I could have these jobs that weren't going to pay me that much. And I didn't have this suffocating uh, student loan payment every month. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have the 100,000 when I was quitting. I'd paid off all my loans. But to go back to your question, I did still have a ton of that fear and thought of like, how can I throw this all away? I've only ever been known as a lawyer, like somebody that's going to law school, somebody that's a lawyer, you know, like that's my only identity. Um, I had no idea what I even liked. I had no idea what I was going to do. I was, it was, and I, I don't want to, um, make it seem like I was like, oh, I'm just gonna make this decision and I'm gonna quit. You know, I wrestled with this for over a year. I didn't admit to anybody that I was leaving for over a year. I struggled mightily with this decision because you're constantly afraid of like, am I gonna regret this? Am I gonna ruin my life? If I'm gonna walk away and then, you know, what if I can't get another job? And what if I, you know, you start kind of going like playing it out and in your mind, if you leave your mind unchecked, like you end up like homeless under a bridge, right? You're like, I'm going to do this. It's going to ruin my whole life. Everyone's going to hate me. And so I had a lot of that. How I got over it was so, I mean, I will credit my husband. He is without a doubt the reason I quit because he's like such a supportive, loving person. And he really pushed me because when I was having these doubts, um, he was the one actually, Janelle, when we were just saying how like it was a, simple path. I remember this conversation we were having and I was telling him how miserable I was, how unhappy I was. And he was saying like, well, you know, you've always taken the easy path. And I swear to God, I almost like flipped over the table. <laughs> like it was like New Jersey housewife style. I was like, how dare you? I've studied for my entire life. Like, you know, yeah. but I realized what he meant was that mm-hmm. the reason I was so scared to leave is because there was no other path. And I wanted someone to tell me what I need to do because like, Mm. I was so scared at that idea of like, I don't know, do whatever, like figure it out. And so, but through a lot of conversations with him, he really opened my eyes. He would say to me like, okay, you tried something, you tried it for 10 years. You're going to stick with it for another 30 years just because you don't want to give up the time. That makes no sense. You you What are you stupid? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Literally. It's like, how is this? How does this make any sense in your mind? Like you already know you hate it. And you have to work for another 40 years and you're going to just do it just so you can say you didn't quit. Like that seems dumb, you know, like there's Um, no medal for that. Right. Totally. And that's what I don't understand is like, you wouldn't have earned a medal for that. You would have instead robbed yourself of all of these gifts that now you get to explore and experience and happiness. I would have robbed myself of happiness, like living a life that I'm happy in. He said that once to me too. It was so funny because I kept saying like, what am I going to tell people? And he's like, you know, people feel sorry for you when you say you're a lawyer, right? <laughs> He's like, it's not that, it's not that badge of an honor. Like everyone knows your life is, and I was like laughing because you, we put ourselves, we think that it's this bigger deal. And I mean, he was being tongue in cheek, like joking with me, but it, I think like 
we just get stuck in our own way. We think that it's this huge deal. And it's like, it's so funny. I had made up, you know, all of like the world I thought was going to like swallow me whole. I thought all my colleagues were going to like, you know, banish me, not talk to me. I thought (laughs) my parents, oh my God, imagine like telling immigrant parents who moved here and like had to work at a 7-Eleven that you just like don't like your job. You know, it's like, I'm sorry, what? Like we gave up our whole lives to come here and you're not happy? You You know, and great. Yeah, exactly. Like you're such a spoiled brat. And I felt like that. I was so nervous and I was so surprised by the reception that I got when I finally started telling people that like, I'm not Wait, so you were consumed with these thoughts, this downward spiral for a year. Yeah. And then finally your husband was like, girl, you're not going to die. So throughout that year, I mean, basically what had happened is in the beginning, just as backup, I had had my son. We had had to move state. So I had to quit my job and I was looking for a job. So at the time I was home with a newborn and I was looking for another job. And I kept like having literal like physical reactions to reading these job descriptions. Mm-hmm. Like I would get this like, I felt like <laughs> I was nauseous. Yeah, literally. I would like have panic attacks. I would want to like throw up. I would have like this pit in my stomach and I would read it. And I was like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. And I would like my husband would come home from work and I would just tell him like I had been applying for jobs and I'd be like in tears. And he's like, why are you doing this? You know? <laughs> and he planted a seed early on. Cause he's like, well, why don't you try something else? And I remember like rolling my eyes and be like, Oh, just try something else. Like I'm a lawyer. What are you talking about? Try something else. <laughs> and he, but he planted that seed. And over that year, it was just, it started with like, Hmm, but could I try something else? Like, what would that mm. something else be? What do I even like? And so it was kind of this like, internal battle that I was going through, but I was getting more and more brave. Like I would read things. I would listen to podcasts. I would see other people do it. And it started going from just like the seed that was planted to like, maybe I can do something else. Maybe like it isn't, maybe it's not crazy for me to say that I want to leave this. Like, and so by the end of the year, when I was ready to tell, I mean, I had made up my mind. I'd gotten to the point where I was like, you know, the same conversation. I'd, I'd read so much in personal development that I was like, this is insane that I'm giving up my life because I'd made a decision when I was, you know, 10 years old or at 22, when I was going to call, you know, law school that like, I'm going to do this. So now I have to do this for the rest of my life. Like, that's crazy. So I started getting more confident in my decision that like, I'm going to figure it out. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to, I'm not going to sit and just like, because it's the status quo, because it's certain, because it's comfortable, you know, in, in the sense that, I knew what it was, not in the sense that I was happy, but it, so it was very uncomfortable actually. Mm-hmm. But I finally kind of got up the courage to tell people with like a straight face without wanting to throw up to say like, <laughs> I'm quitting. And like, now I can handle your opinion. Cause for a long time, I couldn't handle mm-hmm. other people's opinions because I was racked with so much self-doubt. And like, what if this is the wrong move that I had to get myself to a place that like, I felt sure enough that I could handle other people's mm-hmm. questions, which a lot of them had a lot of questions of like, why I was doing this. Yeah. Wow. Did you feel like as you started to talk to people that you So that was more of like the year thing. Mm. Okay. No, I was saying as you started to talk to people, did Mm -hmm. you feel like you were really shaping the understanding of why you needed to do something different? Yeah. Yeah. Because I I find that that, that, you know, a lot of times when you're, you don't know like clearly why you want something different, you just feel the feeling. And as you start to really have to step out there and tell people, it really starts to take form and starts to shape in your mind exactly why yeah. hey, I got to do something different. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, it's all like an evolution and you're still figuring it out. And so with every conversation and I would hear people's objections or like, you know, and they were coming from a well-meaning place. They just wanted me to be safe and they're kind of ingrained in this thought process of society of like keep a safe job and, you know, we're not all happy and work doesn't need to make you happy or whatever. And, but what also would happen is like a lot of times when I would hear these objections, it would like, I finally had kind of made this switch where it started sounding crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like, that's your what? life. Yeah, that's totally. Yeah. Totally. Happy. Yeah. That's crazy. And, it, and it solidified my decision. Mm-hmm. Cause I would think like, why are you so invested in me doing a job that has nothing to do with you? Like, right. why are you so, why does it trigger you so much that I want to try? I mean, it's not, you're not paying my bills. You're not like living my life. You're not going into this office every day. Why do you feel so passionate that I should stay in a place when I'm telling you that it's making me unhappy? And so right. it was like a very, not like out of body experience, but it was interesting to kind of watch people kind of from like 
and and go through the conversations, but think like in the back of my head, this is so interesting. This is mm-hmm. so fascinating. Like, why do you care so much? Or why are you so committed to being miserable in your own job? Like, what what is that like serving you, you know? And so it did do this funny thing where like it actually very much solidified my decision. I yeah, agree I, with you. I got to say this because I feel like when I started to share with friends and family yeah. that I wanted to sell the bakery mm-hmm. before even asking like, oh my God, I know that you've been juggling these two yeah. things and like you've, you know, you look like you're traveling and doing so much before even asking or inquiring. The first thing they'd say is, oh my God, why? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves a cake mamas. I'm like, it doesn't mean that it's a bad right. thing. And totally. I, you're, I experienced exactly what you're talking about. It was almost like, well, I was coaching you on a decision that mm-hmm. I was already coming to grips with that yeah. I knew was the right decision. <laughs> but then watching people's reaction, I could see you are stuck in your own life. Oh, totally. come to think of it. You've had the same job for 30, 40 years. Oh, come to think of it. You're not really into uh, personal development right. or growing and expanding your thought process or your lens, the way you view the world, yeah. right? So it didn't become like, oh, I'm judging you, but it very much validated that I was on the right path. Totally. And you said something a second ago that I want to ask you about. Mm-hmm. You said, I was in a transition, I have my son, and I very much believe that we're in seasons of life. And yes. from maybe from the time that you were 12 to 22, that was the season of, I'm mm-hmm. going to be a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. And then after you had your son, did that season changing, did 100%. that have anything to do with your shift? A hundred percent. I mean, okay. I think that I, I had been unhappy from when I became a lawyer. So like mm-hmm. I had been happy in like the seven years that I practiced. I think that kids have a funny way of really quickly putting your priorities in in check and kind yeah. of realize, and realigning what is really important to you. And so I would be lying if I said, of course, becoming a mother just was a huge shift in my life. And so what I thought, it's very easy before you have kids to say like, oh, I'm going to keep working. I'm going to do this. And I thought I would just go back to work. It would be the same because I knew I didn't really want to be a stay-at-home mom. I wanted to have something outside of raising children. I wanted to have my own thing. Um, And I thought at the time it was law. And I remember when I had him and we moved, I was like, it was just like a, it wasn't even a question. I just kept thinking like, I cannot go back to work. He is so small. Like I, I do not want to leave this little baby that is like completely relying on me. And that was a shift that I didn't expect in myself. Like I thought I was like, oh, I'll do the three months. I'll go back. I'll be fine. Like I'd always been like a really hard worker. I'd always worked really extreme hours. I just didn't think that it would affect me. And it definitely rocked my world. And it was well, very we're supposed much- to be super women and like yeah. handle it all and go right back totally. to work. And it does shift you. Yeah. And I had the shift and I'm way farther ahead of you. You know, my kids are 14, mm-hmm. 16 and 18. But this year when Jasmine went away to college, it shifted my whole 100%. perspective. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, here we are like a, an older kid finishing her career as a high school student. And then we're sending her off to experience something new. And then after four years, she'll go experience something. Why can't I experience something new? And that's really what kind of helped with that. I have another student, her name's Andrea Soto. She owns a bakery in like Silicon Valley. She's an empty nester, fully Mm -hmm. all grown kids. They're gone now. And she's like, but what is next? Like I feel the shift. And so I really want to introduce her to your community. Yeah, I would love that. I think what you're saying is a huge point in all of this um, Mm -hmm. that I kind of learned the harder way through with this shift in law. But it's what you were just saying is like, we are constantly evolving as human beings as we should, right? Like hopefully you're not the same person that you were when you were 20 or when you're 30 or when you're 40. Like hopefully you're learning things, you're evolving, you're becoming a different person, your interests... Why is it that even people that love their jobs after a while, let's say after 10 years, start getting bored because you want something new. You want like, as human beings, we need growth. We need change. Our like, you watch a child, like they're never just like, oh, I learned to sit. I'm good here. I'm just going to stay yeah. here. Like, yeah, we're good. We'll call it a day. Like, no, I'm going to try to learn to crawl. I'm going to try like, to learn to walk. Fifth right? grade is really made for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just not going to try any harder after that. But what I think is that we haven't been taught that. It just hasn't been in the, the kind of collective mindset. And I think it's happening, but it's like, your mindset, your personality, your values, everything when you have little children is different than when you have big children. And then when you have children that leave, like you shift your identity, right? Your, your relationship with your husband changes when your kids leave. Like all this stuff changes. And if we 
kind of accept that like it is kind of like a death and a rebirth, right? Like for me, it's like when I had my child, like there was the death of like single, you know, me just worrying about myself, single goalie. I mean, I was married, but I'm just saying like, I only really had to worry about my husband could take care of himself. And it was this rebirth of like me as a mother where like the rest of my life, I will worry about another being, right? And so even that is such a like seismic shift and it's, there's so much and, and now there's so much more conversations around what mothers go through and, you know, all of the mental and emotional things about that shift. But I think it happens in everything, right? It happens when you're single and you get married. It happens when you're, you know, in school and then you go to work. It's like you're, you're taking on these new identities and it's, and once we can kind of accept like, it's okay to change. It's okay to say like, this was okay for that season, but what is my new season? What is the next thing? What can I look forward to? Like you should always have goals, even if you're 90, like you're still on this earth. So like, what is the next thing that you want to experience? Like, I think if we can start adopting that mentality, we would be a lot better off than thinking that we have to stay in the same box that we've always been. You know, and it's interesting because you were talking about, and you were, you are too as well, how people will, when you tell them something like that, they're, they're sitting there projecting Mm. the conversation they had with themselves when they had the the moment where they said, I hate this. Right. And they either ignored it or they justified it, it, or maybe they didn't think it had any options to changing but they are really projecting that conversation. I think that people do that. And I think that's where it really validates it for you. You see, oh, well, this is the conversation you had with yourself 20 years ago that you decided Mm -hmm. to say, whether you gave it to fear or whatever the the case was for that person. I think that that is is truly real. And when you said that, when you talked about um, making sure at 90, like I had a moment Mm. this weekend where we were with some older folks. and My grandparents (laughs) will call them out. (laughs) And, And I'm watching... Like not close to eighties, close to eighties, and I'm watching like you know their routine, their routine and everything, and it's and it was like, I was like, you know, they're not striving for anything, and it's no judgment on them. But what happens is, is do you get to a place where you, you're waiting to die, like totally, you get this, this like routine, and you're like, I'm gonna drink my coffee, I'm gonna eat my toast, and I'm just yeah. gonna wait until oh. I don't do that, I can't do this anymore. Right. And I was telling Janelle, I said, I just finished watching, you know, this movie with Al Pacino and Robert Neal, and they're almost 80. Yeah. And they're making feature 100%. films. <laughs> 100%. There's so much. Now, luckily, with the, the internet, you can see, like, you, there's so many stories of people that are, like, 80-year-old, like, bodybuilders. bodybuilders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, all this stuff. And I do think it's, like, a shift, again, in the paradigm. Like, back in the day, maybe there wasn't as much opportunity. But I agree with you that there is this... I My grandmother um, passed away a couple of years ago, but she lived with us for like 20 years. And from when I was like 10, she was, I don't know, now I'm like thinking back, she was probably like late 60s. So like for that generation, they thought that was old. She literally lived until I was like 30. So like for 20 years, <laughs> she would tell me every year, like, well, I, t- I like try to get her to do things. And she's like, well, like, I'm just gonna, I'm, like, I'm gonna die any day now. So, and like, she was kind of like depressed, but like, she would say this stuff. And I'm like, but you're not, you're not gonna die any day now. Like, this is not happening. So like, let's do something with that. Let's figure this out. And lives 20 years remember, later. Li- literally lives 20 years later. And so I think now, especially like people are coming, you know, seeing this because the whole like retirement age at 65, it's like, you have another 30 years, maybe, yeah. you know, tw- 20 for sure. A lot of them, I have 20 years. Like, you can have a whole new career in 20 years. Like mm-hmm. this isn't like, let's hang it up. Like it's over now, you know? And I think, um, I think people are seeing that now, but it's hard. Like what you were just saying, Eddie, I think that a lot of people, because they just have accepted what society has told them and they might be unhappy. They have like this deep unhappiness, but they think that there's nothing else to do. Like they get very triggered when somebody else is kind of pushing against yeah. that grain. And so they feel very defensive and they don't, I don't think they understand why, but I see this a lot where it's like they're in a job that they're miserable in. And so they get very triggered when like I say like people should quit and start something else. Mm -hmm. And it's because they don't see that that's a possibility for themselves for whatever reason. And so it becomes something that like they want, but they just can't figure out like how to be honest with themselves, I guess about that. So, and the people that you interview, the people that you mm-hmm. work with, like just for the record, you guys, she's teaching people how to quit, yeah. not because you're a loser, but because <laughs> it's not fulfilling you anymore. And there's a big difference, right? There, and, yeah. and I want to, and I wanted to make sure I clarify that because Goli, you went on your path, right? It, yeah. it, so often yeah. we have people who have yet to start. Right. We don't want them to confuse with 
not mm. starting with quitting. Right. right. We'll find a little I, resistance, a little totally. bump in the road, and right. then you quit. That's not what we're doing here, people. <laughs> no, 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 no. We've and got I decades think, in this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, and, and that's, you know, I, I, my podcast is called Lessons from a Quitter and it's very tongue in cheek. And obviously I do want to like change the conversation around quitting because I think if it's not serving you anymore, then you should quit. That's but it. that doesn't mean that if it's hard, you should quit. Like that's right. not, those are two different conversations. It's a matter of really being honest with yourself and, and only yourself, not like trying to get the answer from everybody else, but really understanding like, what do I want from this one life that I have? I get this no dress rehearsal. This is it. I get to experience what I want to experience and what is it that I want? And then going after that. And let me tell you, like this path that I'm on is a million times harder than being a lawyer. Like mm. I, I'm saying, I say this all the time. We, I talked to a lot of obviously former lawyers on my podcast and we were joking with a couple of girls the other day. And I was like, do you ever just think like, maybe I should just go back. It was so much easier. <laughs> it was so much easier for someone to just tell me what to do. And I show up at eight and then I do the work and then I go home and I can watch my Netflix and I don't need to worry about anything. Whereas like every day I'm like, wait, what am I, do? what am I supposed to do? Like, how do yeah. I do, how do I make money from this? How am I, am I going to have enough this month? Can I do, you know, it's like, it's, there is no, it's honestly maddening sometimes, but yeah. I am so filled with like a purpose of what I want to do. And I'm so happy and like passionate about what I'm doing that it's like, I'll stick with the hard times because I know I'm on the right path, mm. right? And I think before it was so hard to stick through the hard times because I knew deep down that I wasn't on the right path. Like I knew yeah. this can't be it for me. Like I don't want to yeah. be doing this every day. So let's wrap this up and put a bow on it. Yeah. What do we do with the people who we have, uh, they've been in it a decade, they've been in it 20 years mm. and they're like, this sounds great, but I've got bills. I don't know what I would do. I don't know what my passion yeah. is. And I do think that for the record, lots of people throw around like, if you're not passionate about it, don't do right, it. No, right. Passion becomes kind of convoluted at that point. Totally. And a lot of people don't know what their purpose is and they don't know. So I know the answer to your story was that you just started trying things. Yeah. You put yourself in really uncomfortable situations. You started to go to networking events, even yeah. though that was not your thing. And just mm -hmm. you became curious, right? Yeah. So what are the steps that you teach people or you share with people to either find out what could be next for them and to yeah. actually say, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to yeah. listen. This, this podcast got to me. I'm going to quit. Fine. I'll be a quitter, <laughs> but tell me what to do. That's a great question. And I wish I had like a packaged answer that I can say for everyone. Like this is the five steps. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't work like that, but I will say there are a couple of steps. Like one I think the first and foremost is like being honest with yourself and making that decision that like, listen, I don't know the how, I don't know what it's going to be, but I want to acknowledge that like I am unhappy and that's okay. And I don't need to feel shame or guilt about like, well, you know, I always hear a lot of people like a lot of people would kill for this job or like, I'm so lucky to have, yeah, you are. But if you're not happy, then like, who cares? Right. right. And so I think that really getting quiet and trying to drown out the noise of what everybody says you should do, what your family wants. and you know, I'm not saying you have to declare it to everybody, but declare it to yourself. Like, okay, I don't know the how, but I know that I don't want this anymore and I want something else. So I'm going to spend my time working on that instead of going back and forth of like, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I, is this the worst decision? You know, whatever. I think we spend so much of our mental energy just wrestling with the idea that you just have to get to a place where you're making that decision. And then you can open yourself up to like, okay, what am I going to do? And for Claire, I think for people that don't know what they want. I don't know if that's true. There's a book called um, Finding Your Nor Own North Star by Martha Beck. It's incredible. I think it's perfect for this topic of like figuring out because the thing is, we've all felt those gut feelings. Like we've all felt that thing deep inside that's telling you like, oh, this isn't, this doesn't feel right. Or, oh yeah, like you're lit up. Like you know that this is, you know, whatever you're doing is like the happiest you've ever been, Right. The thing is, is we're not taught in our society to listen to that voice. So we don't know like how to discern it. Like, right. is this really telling me the right thing or am I, you know? And so we, we have a lot of, we get in our head. And so it really is like a coming home to yourself. Like, I think it's really uncovering the layers of like, who am I at my core? Like, what are things that I love doing? I did a lot of like personality tests and a lot of assessments just to figure out like, what makes me tick? Like, what are the things I like doing? What do I want in my next career? 
And then it's just experimenting. Unfortunately, like no one's going to be able to tell you what your thing should be, right? It's like you're the only one that knows that. Like, I don't know what you should do, but you do. And so it's a matter of like what you were just saying, giving yourself time and space to experiment. I think what happens with especially like type A personalities, people that have always kind of been in control, it's like, and I did this, I was like, okay, I want to quit. So I just need to find the next thing so I can succeed at it. I got to figure out what the next thing is now so I can go and be successful within a year. And I would give myself like a year deadline. It was so arbitrary. By the way, I quit in 2014. It's been six years. I still don't know what I'm doing. But like, (laughs) I just think like you start learning that. Like you start realizing like it doesn't work on that timeline and it doesn't have to. So yeah, maybe you have to stay in your job to pay your bills. But at least you now have a decision. At least you know like, okay, I'm doing this, but I'm going to give myself, I'm going to carve out three hours a week to start going to meetup events, to start going to a class. Like maybe I'll take a pottery class or a ceramics class to just get the juices flowing, to get my creativity out there to, you know, like we were talking about earlier, try and fail at things and see that I'm not going to die. It's not the end of the world. It was just an experience. I'm going to meet people. I'm going to go to conferences. And maybe, and through that time, you start realizing like, I like this. I don't like this. Like you open, I think for me, and I think a lot of people that I coach and a lot of people I work with, it's sort of like you take the blinders off. You're kind of like, oh my God, there's this whole world out here. People doing amazing things and you start noticing it and you're like, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could do that. And what's funny is I think that's like, that's what happened with me. I now have to keep like a journal of all of the things I want to do because I have so many ideas and Mm. I have so many passions and I, I literally was the person that I thought I am not passionate about one single thing, mm. you know? And I think it's a matter of kind of letting, your, like letting yourself be and letting yourself experience and really getting to know yourself again outside of what everybody else thinks or wants from you. And it kind of comes out, you know? And, and then it's kind of making that decision and going yeah. forward and yeah. trying it. I love and, that. And, and I just, I'll just say this because I think that this is important for people to understand. And... We have the one thing I just add to what Gully just said is you have to break the identity that you are what you do, mm-hmm. right? 100%. In a sense, like I am a lawyer, I am a yes. leader, like all those things they help in a sense, but they also stifle you. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. We, we are all beings experiencing different experiences. Yeah. And as long as we can keep it separated, we can understand we can do anything, mm-hmm. right? Yes. As long as we know that that's not your identity, you're not a school bus driver. Like right. you are a person who decided to drive a bus. Right. Right. And if you say, I don't want to drive buses anymore. I want to drive a race car. Well, then you got to do what Coley just said. You got to say, yeah. how do I get myself into that experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think Absolutely. it's also important because some people, you know, they have responsibilities. They have kids. They have yeah. uh, bills. They, they're trying mm-hmm. to put kids through college, whatever the case may be. But I want to put this perspective like in everyone's head for a moment you sleep, let's say eight hours a day. You go to work for eight hours a day. You still have another eight hours to do whatever the hell you want to do. That could be experiencing new growth from a podcast on your commute every day. That could be deciding that you're going to read at least one new book every month. That could be a lot of different things that would help expand your perspective in the way that you're looking at this shitty job or this shitty experience that you're having right now. And so I think a lot of times from, and tell me if I'm wrong, the people we deal with that feel very stuck, they're not maximizing the other eight hours that are free, right? Absolutely. I think a, a couple of things to that point. One, yes, like we are living in the greatest time in history to start a side hustle, to do things on the side. Like Back in the day, you couldn't start a business after your job because like you would, you know, it's brick and mortar. You have yeah. to like quit, go all in, have all this capital. Like now you can do things from eight to 11 at night, every night you can work on stuff, right? So there's, it's absolutely a way of like figuring out instead of maybe watching Netflix or doing these, you know, scrolling Instagram. I always say there's like people tell me they don't have time and I'm like, okay, let me see the screen time thing on your phone. How much were you on your phone today? You know, and it's like, nobody wants to show me, right? Because I'm like, if you're scrolling your phone for five hours today, like you have time, right? Like it's like you didn't. Yeah. And so, and I'm not saying that, trust me, I I don't, I don't want to show anyone mine, yeah. but I don't say that I don't have time, right? Because I think we like to tell ourselves these things. But another thing, there's a wonderful book. There's actually two that kind of the same concept, but there's Darren Hardy's The Compound Effect and um, uh, James Clear's Atomic Habits. And yeah. if we could all understand 
that like this compound effect, right? You're not trying to change your life in a month. That's the problem. Everyone's like, okay, I want to do it. I want to have a side hustle. I want to have everything up. It's like, first of all, that's never how it, it works. But take that pressure off, right? With anything, like when we talk about weight loss, right? Someone saying I'm going to lose 10 pounds in a month is likely not going to be successful. Maybe they'll lose it and then they'll gain it, right? But you start saying like, how can I incorporate health and fitness in my life every single week? And it's the same thing. So what I tell a lot of my students is like, find three hours a week. I'm not talking about a day. I'm saying a week. So you do like your lunch break on Tuesday. You wake up one hour early on Wednesday. It's from six to seven. You do one hour at night. You know, you're finding three hours. In a year, that's 156 hours, which comes out to, like if you divide that by four, that's a whole month of a 40-hour work week. So like if someone said, I will give you a month to work full-time on your side hustle, you would take it. You'd be like, yeah, I could do, do a month. Yeah. So we're just saying do it over a year, right? That time is going to pass. Like you don't have to have everything figured out in 2020, but put yourself in a position that in 2023, you're going to be like your side hustle is going to be up and running and you can quit your job, right? Figure out like we all want it so fast and then it doesn't happen. So then we just don't do it. And then in a year, five years, 10 years, we're still miserable. So it's like- Then you're your I, grandma in 20 years. Yeah, totally, 100%. And yeah. I always say this is like, stop looking at this like one year goal. I'm not saying like, it's good to work in one year goals or three months goals, but like things don't have to be figured out by then. It's like, you <laughs> can have things in, in a couple of years. And I, I mean, I just think like the amount, like there's that, that uh, quote where we uh, underestimate what we can do in- we overestimate what we can do in a year and we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. Or it's like, you know, you can do, we overestimate what we do in a day and underestimate what we can do in a month. All of that Mm. applies. The more long-term it becomes, we're underestimating how much change we can actually implement. And it just requires changing your perspective. Like you don't have to get it all done this week. Yeah. I had a friend tell me the other day that she was going to lose 60 pounds before May. And I was like, you know, that's like in 60 days, right? Like, <laughs> and she goes, you don't think I could do it? And I said, it's impossible. Why yeah. would you even know? Like yeah. you could lose 60 pounds maybe in like 18 months, but you right. wouldn't say 60 pounds in 60 days, right? right? right. And right. I think that you're right. Like everybody wants, and you sit at yourself too. Like, okay, I'm going to give myself a year and I'm going to make sure that I'm successful over here. And yeah. if I'm not, I'm going back, right? Yeah. And I think that that's what I wanted to do with this conversation is just open up to people. Like, what are your expectations? What are your expectations around being happy, enjoying what you do as a career? What are your expectations around failure? Like, what are you making it mean? What are your expectations when you see someone like Goalie who's worked her whole life to become a lawyer? What would you say to her if she was like, I'm thinking of quitting, you know, and I don't know what I'm going to do. If you're the kind of person that would say, girl, you're an attorney. (laughs) Yeah. I remember you telling me this story. I think it was your aunt, someone, it was a family member. You said, I'm really thinking about like quitting being a lawyer. And someone said, but you're such a great lawyer. (laughs) And she said, you've literally never been in my courtroom. (laughs) You've You've never never practiced with me. (laughs) seen me practice, right? And I thought it was so ridiculous, right? And so I want to know to our listeners, are you the kind of person that would ask really dumb questions like that? And (laughs) if you are, tell somebody something stupid like that. If that's the case, ask yourself what fears you might be hiding behind and what unhappiness you might be suppressing and what fears are probably holding you back from doing something different. And lastly, I'll say very recently, lots of people want the path illuminated. They want to know that it will be problem free. They want to know that this is the way that God's calling them. They want to know. It's like Mm -hmm. you want all this knowing, but isn't part of life about just discovery and curiosity and having fun along the way. And so I just got to say, friend, I'm really proud of you. Oh, you're so sweet. You are like, I tried this thing. It's not really working out, but it's all good. You know, I'm pivoting. I went to this event. It wasn't really my favorite. Won't go next year. Like you're very cool about just (laughs) experiencing things. And I want to give you a lot of credit for that because it seems like the old goalie that I didn't know. We might not have been good friends. (laughs) No. You were very much like, I need to know that this is going to work. Yeah. yeah, no, you wouldn't have liked her. Nobody really. It was, <laughs> I didn't like her. I didn't like her. No, I think you're absolutely right. I'm a huge, I'm, it's funny. My husband said that the other day we were like having dinner and he's like, if you would have told me that you, that like goalie Calgaran was on Instagram, like 
not caring what people are thinking about her, talking to people, like giving other people advice, quitting her job. He's like, I would have laughed at you. Like I was so the person that was like the model child, the model, like lawyer, like all of my, you know, glowing reviews always. Like I always wanted everyone to just be happy and like me. And I think that I see myself and I think like, God, we talk about like having the patience, but like change. When I look back, like in six years, I'm a completely different person. I mean, my mindset, everything. And I'm obviously like way happier because of it. But yeah, I mean, everything to what you just said, Janelle, I think it's just so important to really start doing that inner work and looking at yourself and seeing like, where are these fears stopping you? And where are, you know, where are you kind of projecting and getting triggered? Because you have something deep within you that you're like kind of suffocating. You're not even letting come up. So you can't even understand why you're feeling that thing. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of this stuff, um, if you can give yourself that grace to kind of like be compassionate and explore it and understand that you're just a human being having a human experience, like you open yourself up to so much. And one thing I will say though, you were just saying like everyone wants the path illuminated. I always find this funny because I have people come on my podcast and inevitably every story has like, you know, as we've all heard on all these podcasts of people that build businesses, you know, it's, failures and successes, right? And we all love an underdog story and we all love this like, oh, I tried this business and it failed. And then I tried this other business and it failed. And like when I, I'm now very observant of watching people that are successful and I see like, okay, yeah, they're like, you know, they did this business and it took off in a year because they've had four other businesses, right? Right. And we see that, we understand it intellectually, but then we don't want it for ourselves, right? It's like, but I don't want to, I want to skip all that failure. And we know that like, there's no way, like you will not have success without failure. You will not because you've never heard a story where someone says, um, yeah, so I started a business. I never had a problem. Everything was great. Skyrocketed. <laughs> haven't run into any issues. It's been amazing, right? And this, you can this, do it too. <laughs> and you can do it, right? It's like, that doesn't happen. So why are we trying to avoid problems? Like, why are we trying to avoid failure? Like, it's going to happen, but so is the rest of it, you know? And so it's like, I think when you can stop trying to avoid that for yourself and stop trying to have this perfect path that there will never be a misstep, you open yourself up to really actually taking the steps and having that success. Oh, goalie, you're amazing. I'm Uh, super proud of you. Thank you for coming on and sharing all of this with our listeners. You guys, please go listen to goalie's podcast. It's called lessons from a quitter. Also, you can check her out. She's active on Instagram. She's the girl not hiding behind. (laughs) Should I post it? Should I not? And I always get something great from you. So thank you for doing life with me and for being audacious and for quitting. I love that you're a quitter. Oh, thank you guys so much. Thank you for creating this platform. I think lots of people need to be pushed and I think you're doing just incredible work. I'm honored to be here. I'm so glad to have this conversation. I'm so glad to be doing this entrepreneurship journey, Instagram world with you guys. Amen. All right. Have a good day, goalie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you guys so much for tuning into the Push Podcast. I hope you got something great out of this. I hope you will also be a quitter only after (laughs) you've put in the work. Do the time. (laughs) Do the time and then you can be selective of what your next journey is. So thanks so much. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review, leave your handle. And until next time, push through.